We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 529 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Thursday, March 16th, 2023. It is day one of the first round of the 2023 NCAA Tournament. A day on which Maryland, Virginia, and Howard are all in action in the NCAA Tournament. Let's go Terrapins. Let's go Cavaliers. Let's go Bison. You know, if I was still legally allowed to do Go-Go Thursday, oh, the Go-Go, it would be raging on this show in honor of Howard playing in an NCAA tournament for the first time since 1992. But this day also is a day on which we have a new Commander's quarterback to discuss. Jacoby Brissett. Come on down. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. You know, this first week of NFL free agency this offseason has become quite the week for the commanders. A lot of news on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, with the headline item from Wednesday being the team reportedly agreeing with unrestricted free agent quarterback Jacoby Brissett on a one-year contract. Uh, He is the replacement for Taylor Heineke, who, of course, has left us via unrestricted free agency. And Brissett can play, and he certainly can provide the man being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season, Sam Howell, with legitimate competition, which is what our head coach, Ron Rivera, has been saying that he wants. Next segment, in-depth Reaction to and analysis of the commanders getting the quarterback who I most wanted them to get in free agency off the defection of Taylor Heineke, Jacoby Brissett. And I know uh, our team hasn't had the greatest luck (laughs) with veteran quarterback acquisitions in recent years, but maybe, just maybe, Jacoby Brissett will be different, or maybe Jacoby Brissett never takes a single regular season snap for the Commanders because Sam Howell kills it in 2023. Uh, Anyway, 
I'm also going to discuss the rest of the reported Commanders-related activity from Wednesday. Another defection, uh, unrestricted free agent linebacker Cole Holcomb reportedly has agreed on a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, the mullet is gone. The mullet is going from the burgundy and gold to the black and yellow. But the commanders reportedly are re-signing two unrestricted free agents, defensive lineman F.A. Obata and center Tyler Larson. A lot to get into with the commanders. Also on the show, a terrific guest to get you ready for the teams of the Mid-Atlantic region in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to welcome on Ryan McIntyre. Uh, he is the co-host of a great college basketball podcast, the College Basketball Experience Podcast. And we're going to hit on the first round games for Maryland, Virginia, Howard, and VCU with an in-depth breakdown of the Terrapins game against West Virginia on Thursday afternoon because Ryan has a really unique perspective on this game. He is from this area. He's from Fairfax, Virginia, and he is a former student manager and video coordinator for West Virginia under head coach Bob Huggins. Yeah, Ryan is an FOHB, a friend of Huggy Bear. Uh, by the way, a salute to Virginia Tech basketball. Uh, its season is over. The Hokies lost at one of Huggy Bear's previous employers, Cincinnati, 81-72 on Wednesday night in the first round of the NIT. Uh, and I on the show will be talking Capitals. A big win for the Caps on Wednesday night. A 5-4 shootout win over the Buffalo Sabres at Capital One Arena. The Caps entered Wednesday tied with the Sabres in the Eastern Conference wildcard standings. Uh, winger Alex Ovechkin was back. He returned from a one-game absence caused by a lower body injury. Had a goal and an assist. The Caps overcame a 3-1 third-period deficit and a 4-2 third-period deficit. A lot of good stuff for the Caps on Wednesday night. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. More reaction to the Commanders losing quarterback Taylor Heineke to the Atlanta Falcons in free agency. I have gotten some rather entertaining emails. Email from Kim of our discussion on Wednesday's show, episode 528, about Taylor's departure, writes Kim, wonderful tribute to our buddy Tay-Tay. There are three memories from Redskins slash Commander's history that come to my mind a lot. The first one, John Riggins' touchdown run in Super Bowl 17, just pure grit and effort. The second one, RG3's rookie year, just crazy exciting. And the third one, Tay-Tay's run <laughs> for the pylon against Tampa Bay in the playoffs, and the subsequent snub by Tom Brady said a lot too. After the game, poor form by TB. Those days are gone, but these memories live on. Uh, thank you for the email, Kim. Email from Holly in Harrisonburg, Virginia, writes Holly in an email with the subject, no Tay-Tay? What? No, Dr. Sabah. She must be in a state of mourning. That was her guy. Seriously, I will miss Taylor, along with many other Washingtonians who will miss Taylor. I think that Ron should have treated Taylor better. He would have made a great backup. Anyway, RIP <laughs> Taylor. He'll do well in Hotlanta. Thanks, Al, for the great pod, as always. Well, thank you for the email, Holly. Although, Taylor Heineke is still with us, okay? <laughs> so we can RIP his time with Washington, but uh, we don't have to RIP Taylor. At least I don't think we do. Uh, you know, Wednesday was Taylor's birthday. Uh, he turned 30. The dirty 30 as he makes his way to the dirty, dirty Atlanta GA. Uh, and yeah, we all hope that Taylor Heineke superfan, Dr. Sabah, is doing well. Email from Philip C., the PhD, writes Philip, Ta-ta, 
Tay-Tay. Riverboat can try to bring in another quarterback to help out Sam Howell in the quarterback room. We will see if Ron Rivera succeeds in bringing in someone who is better on the field and better in the locker room than Tay-Tay is. I will watch with interest, with hope, and with some skepticism. Meanwhile, let's see if the legend of Taylor Heineke continues in Atlanta. Thank you for the email, Philip. Uh, many of you listening probably know this, but in case that you don't, among the Commanders games in the 2023 regular season is a game at the Falcons. Uh, we don't yet know when, but we do know that the Commanders road opponents for the 2023 regular season include the Falcons. Sam Howell and the Commanders at Taylor Heineke and the Falcons with a playoff spot on the line. Who is down for that? Email from Dan in Minnesota writes, Dan, I've heard people say that Heineke was the best backup quarterback option for us in a bubble that did make sense. But a big reason for him doing as he did was that he was in Scott Turner's offense, which Heineke knows inside and out. Heineke is not in Scott's offense anymore. How'd Heineke do when he wasn't running Scott's system? Oh yeah, Heineke was a backup quarterback in the XFL to a quarterback who still is in the XFL. Am I crazy for thinking that Heineke's not going to look as good next year in a new system? What do you think, Al? Uh, thank you for the email, Dan. Good topic. Uh, Taylor Heineke is smart enough to where he should be able to adapt well to a new offense. But to Dan's point, the value of Taylor is lessened at least a little bit by him not being in an offense coordinated by or at least associated with Scott Turner. Taylor has been with Scott on three different NFL teams, the Minnesota Vikings, the Carolina Panthers, and the Commanders. Now, it's worth pointing out that Scott with the Vikings and Panthers during Taylor's time with those teams was a quarterback's coach, not an offensive coordinator as Scott was with the Commanders, but the Vikings offensive coordinator during Taylor's time with them and the Panthers offensive coordinator during Taylor's time with them was the same guy, Scott's dad, former Skins head coach, Norv Turner. So yeah, Taylor has spent the bulk of his NFL career in offenses coordinated by members of the Turner family. Uh, and also, yes, I did say Norv Turner. This is Coach Norv Turner. Yes, how does that not get you excited? How does that not get y'all fired up? This is Coach Norv Turner. That's right, you tell him, Norv. Uh... But I do think that the Falcons are a good team for Taylor Heineke for a few reasons. The Falcons quarterback situation is far from settled. Desmond Ritter is far from a sure thing. And their head coach, former Skins defensive quality control coach, Arthur Smith, a product of my high school, Georgetown Prep High School in Rockville, Maryland, and the son of former Skins minority owner, Fred Smith. Arthur Smith has gone 7-10 and 10 in each of his first two regular seasons as Falcons head coach, you would think that there's pressure on Arthur to win in 2023. So if Desmond Ritter struggles and the Falcons aren't winning, I would not be surprised at all if Arthur turns to Taylor as the Falcons starting quarterback. Additionally, the Falcons play their home games in a dome and are in a warm weather division in the NFC South. Uh, those things are good things for a quarterback and Taylor uh, who does not have the strongest arm. Well, with Taylor Heineke now playing down south, he's going to need some good sunglasses, right? And so what he should do is get himself some Shady Rays sunglasses. And even though he is getting paid well by the Falcons, he should use the promo code ALGALDI because doing so will get Taylor 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. And you can do this too, ShadyRays.com 
promo code ALGALDI. Shady Rays sunglasses. They look good. They feel good. Shady Rays. It is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Here's a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time. And Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. Well, as you probably know, uh, things have not gone so well for Ron Rivera at the quarterback position over his three seasons as Washington head coach. Uh, One of the more comical aspects of that, to me, has been Ron in the lead up to each of his first two seasons as Washington head coach, preaching competition that never really happened. 2020, Dwayne Haskins versus Kyle Allen. 2021, Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Taylor Heineke. Uh, Neither Kyle in the lead-up to the 2020 season nor Taylor in the lead-up to the 2021 season was in a true quarterback competition. Dwayne was the QB1 for the 2020 season. Fitzmagic was the QB1 for the 2021 season. Neither guy came close to working out for very different reasons. We don't need a history lesson. But here we are now in the 2023 offseason. Ron Rivera has positioned Sam Howell to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season, but also has made it clear that Sam has to earn the starting quarterback job, that he's not just being handed the job, that there will be, wait for it, a competition. Well, who knows how much of a competition the competition will be, but the commanders have found their veteran quarterback to compete with Sam, and this veteran quarterback is a more than capable quarterback. We on Wednesday afternoon, right as the NFL's new league year was beginning at 4 p.m. Eastern, had multiple reports that the commanders had agreed on a contract with unrestricted free agent quarterback Jacoby Brissett. Tuesday morning, we had the reported free agent defection of Commanders quarterback Taylor Heineke to the Atlanta Falcons. Wednesday afternoon, the Commanders got their Taylor Heineke replacement, their Tay-Tay successor, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I like this. I like this a lot. I had been mentioning Brissett 
And Andy Dalton as the two unrestricted free agent veteran quarterbacks who I like the most as replacement candidates for Taylor Heineke if the commanders weren't going to resign him. And the commanders got Brissett. Uh, the contract is a reported one-year deal. ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler reported that the contract is a one-year $8 million deal that can hit $10 million. Uh, Taylor Heineke from the Falcons reportedly is getting a two-year $14 million deal with $6.32 million fully guaranteed. So if you do the compare and contrast through the prism of AAV, average annual value, Brissette, an AAV of $8 million, Taylor, an AAV of $7 million. Uh, Brissett had a better 2022 season than Taylor did by quite a bit. So that difference in money is not unreasonable at all and might actually be a bargain for the commanders. You know, one of the biggest themes of the 2022 NFL season to me was that so many of the veteran quarterback acquisitions from the 2022 offseason did not work out. Uh, we saw that right here, right? Carson Wentz with the Commanders. But you also think about Russell Wilson with the Denver Broncos, Matt Ryan with the Indianapolis Colts, Baker Mayfield with the Carolina Panthers, Marcus Mariota with the Atlanta Falcons, Mitchell Trubisky with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, one veteran quarterback acquisition of significance from the 2022 offseason that did work out was the Cleveland Browns acquisition of Jacoby Brissett, who the Browns signed as an unrestricted free agent on March 25th, 2022. Jacoby Brissett in the 2022 regular season made 11 starts for the Browns. He was their starting quarterback during quarterback Deshaun Watson's 11-game suspension. Speaking, by the way, of significant veteran quarterback acquisitions from the 2022 offseason, that did not work out. But Jacoby Brissett did quite well for the Browns. He did an admirable job. Brissett for the 2022 regular season finished number eight among all qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR at 60. Taylor Heineke's total QBR for the 2022 regular season was 44.4. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, Brissett for the 2022 regular season finished number seven among all qualified NFL quarterbacks and Football Outsiders DVOA metric for passing at 13%. Taylor's DVOA for passing for the 2022 regular season was minus 8.8%. And Brissett for the 2022 regular season had an overall grade for pro football focus of 82.6. Taylor for the 2022 regular season had an overall grade per PFF of just 49.8. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. The advanced stats did not at all like Tay-Tay's 2022 season, but the advanced stats loved Brissett's 2022 season. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is a bigger quarterback. He's listed as being 6'4". He's not a great run threat, although he's not immobile either. Uh, he has bounced around. The Commanders will be his fourth different NFL team over the last four seasons. Uh, Brissett was taken by the New England Patriots in the third round of the 2016 NFL Draft out of NC State, for which he was a star quarterback for the 2014 
and 2015 seasons. Brissett was with the Patriots for the 2016 season, the Indianapolis Colts for the 2017 through 2020 seasons, the Miami Dolphins for the 2021 season, and the Cleveland Browns for the 2022 season. He is well-traveled, to be sure, but you know, Brissett for the Colts in the 2019 regular season, 15 starts, 18 touchdown passes versus six interceptions. The guy is capable. He, like Taylor Heineke, is a good QB2 who can do well as a QB1. And I actually think that there is a compelling case to be made that Jacoby Brissett is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. And so what about this quarterback competition? What about Sam Howell versus Jacoby Brissett? Well, a few things. First of all, there's the caveat to this that there is <laughs> with just about everything with Ron Rivera. He could always change his mind, okay? Ron, during his time as Washington head coach, has changed his mind quite a bit, or at least changed his public tune quite a bit. So Ron could be singing a different song regarding the commander's quarterback situation in just a few months, if not a few weeks. But if in fact there is a quarterback competition, what would be best and what I certainly will be rooting for is for Sam Howell to win the competition. I want Sam to win the competition. I want Sam to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. And I want Sam to thrive as the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. But if Sam Howell does not beat out Jacoby Brissett in a legitimate quarterback competition, uh, that is a legitimate win. Brissett isn't some great quarterback, but he is a solid, respectable, high-level QB2, low-level QB1 type quarterback who as I just detailed, had a really nice 2022 season. Sam Howell defeating Jacoby Brissett in a legitimate quarterback competition would be a very legitimate win for Sam Howell. And if Sam Howell doesn't beat out Jacoby Brissett in a quarterback competition, or Sam wins the competition, but then suffers a significant injury during the regular season, and Brissett winds up as the commander's starting quarterback, well, the team still will have a fighting chance to be decent, if not good, in the 2023 season because Brissett can be decent, if not good. Let me tell you something. The 2022 commanders with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback putting up the numbers that he put up with the Browns, the commanders would have made the playoffs, no question. Rod Rivera this coming season almost certainly is coaching for his job. We all know that. He needs a quarterback plan with some depth, with some variety, with Uh, diversification of risk. Uh, And he's got that now with Jacoby Brissett. Now, how good is this overall quarterback mix for the commanders? Time will tell, clearly. But at least you got some variety now with both Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. And one more thing, none of this, not Sam Howell, not Jacoby Brissett, should preclude the commanders from taking a quarterback at any point in the 2023 NFL draft if they really like the quarterback. Taking a quarterback in the 2023 draft, even on day one or day two, still should be on the table. Uh, Whether that is on the table, who knows, but neither Sam nor Jacoby is good enough to take the notion of taking a quarterback at any point in the 2023 draft off the table. But yeah, the commanders getting Jacoby Brissett. I like it. Well, if you want to like your business or practice even more by growing your business or practice, consider advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable, especially in our current economy, and 
Podcast advertising works. Email us. See what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi Podcast at yahoo.com. Well, the commanders reportedly agreeing on a contract with unrestricted free agent quarterback Jacoby Brissett was not the only significant commander's news from Wednesday, during which the NFL's new league year began at 4 p.m. Eastern. The commanders reportedly lost unrestricted free agent linebacker Cole Holcomb, but agreed on deals to re-sign unrestricted free agent defensive lineman Eve Obata and unrestricted free agent center Tyler Larson. Uh, Let us begin with Cole Holcomb. Uh, He reportedly agreed on a three-year contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I wanted the commanders to re-sign Holcomb. Uh, Them on Monday afternoon, what was uh, day one of the NFL's legal tampering period, reportedly agreeing on this contract with unrestricted free agent linebacker Cody Barton certainly lessened the likelihood of the commanders re-signing Holcomb, but to me, did not like eradicate it. I mean, this deal for Barton reportedly is just a one-year prove-it contract, although it does reportedly have $3.5 million guaranteed, but Cole Holcomb now is gone. And whether this is truly bad for the commanders is going to come down to two things. Uh, Number one, how Barton does for the commanders. Number two, does Holcomb get back to being healthy or is he now injury prone? Because it could be that the commanders are parting with Cole Holcomb at just the right time. Uh, The 2023 season will be Cole Holcomb's age 27 season. So it's not like he's old or anything like that. The Redskins took him in the fifth round of the 2019 NFL draft out of North Carolina. Uh, Holcomb was, by the way, a Jay Gruden pick. Uh, Then Skins head coach Jay Gruden really liked Cole Holcomb coming out of Carolina. Uh, Holcomb was a starting linebacker for Washington in each of his four seasons with the team, 2019 through 2022. And he did a nice job for Washington. He was a smart and reliable player. Uh, Holcomb for the 2022 regular season led Washington in tackles with 142. But Cole Holcomb missed substantial time due to injury in two of the last three seasons. Uh, Holcomb in the 2020 regular season played in just 11 of Washington's 16 games. He missed four consecutive games due to a knee injury and missed one game due to a concussion. And Holcomb in the 2022 regular season played in just seven of the commander's 17 games due to a foot injury that required surgery. Now, in between these seasons was Holcomb in the 2021 regular season, playing in 16 of Washington's 17 games and being number two on Washington in defensive snaps at 92.23%. And the only game in the 2021 regular season that Holcomb did not play in was due to being on the reserve COVID-19 list. And uh, that game, by the way, was Washington's 56-14 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football on the night after Christmas in 2021. But where are we with Cole Holcomb? This is a key question. Can he be trusted to stay healthy? That has become a significant question. There's also this. For as much talk as there has been about the linebacker position with Washington, really for years now, the truth is that it has become the least important position on defense in today's NFL, and the commanders don't play a lot of linebackers. Now, this doesn't mean that the position of linebacker doesn't matter. It does. But Washington, so often in recent seasons, has gone with alignments that have just two linebackers or even one linebacker. And so if the commanders have Jamin Davis, who's coming off an encouraging second NFL season, and have Cody Barton, 
the team may be just fine at linebacker. You know, everybody last offseason was going crazy over the team not doing more at linebacker. Well, Cole Holcomb ended up playing in just seven of the team's 17 games in the 2022 regular season, and yet still, the commander's defense ended up being very good. The commanders finished the 2022 regular season number nine in the NFL in total defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Like I said, I wanted the team to re-sign Cole Holcomb. You know, a top three at linebacker of Holcomb, Jamin Davis, and Cody Barton would have been quite nice. But the team last season lacked depth at linebacker, was without its best linebacker in Cole Holcomb for most of the regular season, and yet still had a top 10 defense. Like, what does that say? Uh, A big reason for the commanders having a good defense this past season was their pass rush, and part of that pass rush was F.A. Obata, and he's coming back. Uh, We on Wednesday afternoon, right as the NFL's new league year was beginning at 4 p.m. Eastern, had multiple reports that F.A. Obata had agreed to re-sign with the Commanders. Uh, The 2023 season will be Obata's age 31 season. He is a big dude. The Commanders list Obata as being 6'6 and 265 pounds, and he had a nice 2022 season. The Commanders initially signed Obata on March 23rd, 2022 as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Obata in the 2022 regular season played in all 17 of the Commanders games and on 37.36% of the team's defensive snaps. He finished with four sacks, eight quarterback hits, and two pass defenses. And he's versatile. Uh, He can play both as an edge defender and as an interior defensive lineman. F.A. Obata is a great story, too. He entered the NFL through the NFL International Player Pathway Program. He, in 2018, became the first player from that program to make the 53-man roster of an NFL team by making the 53-man roster of the Carolina Panthers, (laughs) who, of course, had current commander's head coach, Ron Rivera, as head coach at the time. Yes, F.A. Obata is a commander. Uh, He was born in Nigeria. He, at 10 years old, was the victim of human trafficking. He eventually lived in London, where he would play for the London Warriors of the British American Football Association National Leagues. Uh, Obata played for the Panthers from 2018 through 2020 and then played for the Buffalo Bills in the 2021 season. And then there is Tyler Larson. Uh, We on Wednesday afternoon, shortly before the NFL's new league year began at 4 p.m. Eastern, had multiple reports that Tyler Larson had agreed to re-sign with the Commanders. So the 2023 season will be Larson's age 32 season. Washington initially signed Larson in March 2021 as an unrestricted free agent. He has been the team's number two center in each of his two seasons with the team. He is a solid backup center, but he has had a hard time staying healthy. Uh, Larson was Washington's second string center in the 2021 regular season, but he, just like Washington's first string center, Chase Rullier, and third string center, Wes Schweitzer, ended up getting injured. Uh, Washington, on December 27th, 2021 placed Larson on the reserve injured list due to an Achilles injury that he suffered in a loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field at week 14. He in that game returned off having not played in each of the previous two games due to a knee injury that he suffered in a win at the Panthers in week 11. And Larson was on the reserve COVID-19 list from December 16th, 2021 to December 27th, 2021. Uh, Larson began the 2022 regular season on the reserve physically unable to perform list due to that Achilles injury. He in the 2022 regular season made eight starts, but he ended the season on 
the reserve injured list on which he was placed on December 12th, 2022, due to a right knee injury that he suffered in the tie at the New York Giants in week 13. Lack of health at center has been a big problem for Washington in each of its last two seasons. And the lack of health has not just been with the team's top center, Chase Rulier. The lack of health also has been a thing with Tyler Larson. But Larson's coming back, and the question is, uh, who will he be backing up at center? Who will be the commander's number one center for the 2023 season? Chase Roulier or Nick Gates, the unrestricted free agent center slash guard with whom the team on Monday afternoon, what was uh, day one of the NFL's legal tampering period, reportedly agreed on a contract. But yeah, Cole Holcomb is gone, but F.A. Obata and Tyler Larson are coming back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, the first round of the NCAA tournament begins on Thursday. We have four teams from the mid-Atlantic region in this year's NCAA tournament. Maryland, Virginia, VCU, and Howard. Uh, Maryland, Virginia, and Howard play on Thursday afternoon. VCU plays on Friday afternoon. Maryland is an eight-seed. will face nine-seeded West Virginia at Legacy Arena at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, Alabama, Thursday afternoon at 12.15 in the very first game of the Thursday of the first round of the NCAA tournament. The second game of the Thursday of the first round of the NCAA tournament involves Virginia. Uh, Virginia is a four seed. will take on 13-seeded Furman at Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, Thursday afternoon at 1240. Howard is a 16 seed. will play one-seeded Kansas at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Iowa, Thursday afternoon at 2. And VCU is a 12 seed. will meet five-seeded St. Mary's at MVP Arena in Albany, New York, Friday afternoon at 2. I am very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast right now, Ryan McIntyre. Uh, he is the co-host of a great college basketball podcast, the College Basketball Experience Podcast, and he is the co-host of the Ryan and Rush Show, which is a great podcast about West Virginia sports. Uh, Ryan is from the Washington, D.C. area. He is a Commanders fan, and he knows the Terrapins' opponent on Thursday afternoon quite well. Uh, Ryan is a former student manager and video coordinator for West Virginia under head coach Bob Huggins. Uh, Ryan also served as a graduate assistant for South Carolina under head coach Frank Morton and was a part of the Gamecocks run to the 2017 Final Four. You could follow Ryan on Twitter at Moneyline underscore Mac as in M-A-C. Hey, Ryan, how are you? 
Good, Al. I appreciate you having me on. Long time listener of the show. Um, big fan. I appreciate that. Uh, before we get to the games, your background. Uh, very interesting. Tell us about your experiences in the uh, college basketball coaching world. Yeah, so obviously I grew up in the DMV. I'm from Fairfax, went to West Virginia, um, years 2012 to 2016 as a student manager for Bob Huggins. So got my wanted to coach because I realized I wasn't a good enough player. So I got into it with the manager role and um, it, it was fun. I, I really wanted to stay into coaching. Hug single-handedly got me the gig as a graduate assistant with Frank Martin. Everybody knows their history of Kansas State, Cincinnati. So I go to South Carolina as a graduate assistant, right place, right time. Uh, we go to the Final Four that year, and then it's kind of just turned into another opportunity that Austin P. and then Hugs had an opening with uh, the video coordinator leaving. He's, hey, he just called me. He's like, hey, you want to come home? So went home, uh, did three years as a video coordinator, and then I kind of just got burned out of the coaching industry. I think we're, we're seeing it more and more with the NIL, uh, the portal era. So I, I got out, and now I'm doing a college basketball podcast. That's great. Uh, is Bob Huggins as much of a character as he appears to be? So everybody asks me that, and he everybody sees him yelling on the sideline. He's as passionate. He he's, he gets on guys. He demands you play hard, but he's he really is a teddy bear off the floor. So he says he's one like this term gets thrown out a lot. A, a real dude. He really is a real dude. He's a guy's guy, a man's man. So it's he's a, he's just a great guy to hang out with. And obviously, Hall of Fame coach, 900 plus wins, but he's even a better person than he is a basketball coach. Nice. Does Bob Huggins like the nickname Huggy Bear or does he not like the nickname Huggy Bear? Honestly, he really doesn't care. He just all he cares about is winning. He what you could call him whatever and he, he he'll just roll with it. Okay, well, I'm glad we got all of that straightened out. Uh, regarding Maryland versus Huggy Bear and West Virginia on Thursday afternoon, uh, what do you think about the matchup? Honestly, I think both teams are kind of similar. Both teams hit the transfer portal hard. Uh, obviously, Kevin Willard's done a great job in year number one. Both teams are really good at home, and both teams have struggled on the road. Both teams are kind of outliers in their conference. Maryland being in the Big Ten, kind of being outside of Rutgers, the main team in the East. Nobody has a harder travel schedule than West Virginia. I know Maryland fans that think that they got it hard, but West Virginia, when everybody's literally in the Midwest in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, it kind of speaks to why we struggle on the road uh, as much as we do and as good as we are at home. So I think both teams have played better and better in February and March, especially at home, and both teams pride themselves on the defensive end. You may have just answered this, but stylistically, what kind of a game between Maryland and West Virginia do you expect? Ugly. I think it's in it's the first game too. I think a lot of nerves. A lot of these guys are going to be playing in their first NCAA tournament game. Um, Eric Stevenson, for example, for West Virginia, this is his fourth school in fifth year, five years, but he's never played an NCAA tournament game, and it's just a different setting. Um, I know that in 2015 we played in the round of 32, and that was kind of an ugly game. Maryland fans remember, unfortunately, where Mello Trimble got knocked out. I, I kind of anticipated being a similar type of game. I don't think this thing gets above two possessions either way the entire time. I think it just comes down to the wire, to be honest. Wow. As you know, one of Maryland's best players, Julian Reese, has had a hard time of staying out of foul trouble. So uh, that could be an issue against West Virginia. I want to ask you about the Mountaineers' top players. Uh, we'll start with the team's leading scorer, 6'4", fifth-year guard, Eric Stevenson, who has played for Wichita State, Washington, South Carolina, and now West Virginia, a well-traveled player. Uh, what sticks out to you about him? 
his uh, amount of confidence. He's never seen a shot he doesn't like. He thinks he's the best player on the floor. He, I mean, he got a technical foul at Oklahoma State after he hit five straight threes because he grabbed his crotch and yelled at Marcus Smart, who was at the game. So this guy doesn't lack confidence. And honestly, we live we live and die with Eric Stevenson, West Virginia, that is. And he is is he can be as good as he can be, but then he also can hurt you. But he's really matured throughout the year. I think um, when he got that technical at Oklahoma State, Hugs called him out. He said, if this happens again, you're off the team. So I think that was a wake-up call for him. He's just played really, really well down the stretch. And, and a lot of the transfers, it's like Maryland, it's just taken the whole conference play with this new era of uh, meshing all these guys, fourth, fifth-year guys, um, into a good product at the end of the year. West Virginia's second leading scorer and leading rebounder, 6'9", senior Trey Mitchell, uh, also has played for UMass in Texas. What do you make of him? So Trey's an interesting guy because he was such a highly touted guy coming out of high school. He goes to UMass, then he transfers to Texas. He doesn't finish the year with Chris Beard, mental health issues. So he goes back in the portal, comes to West Virginia. He's an NBA talent, to be honest. I mean, he's got all the skills. He can make shots, face you up, score on the block. He's 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, six, but he, I think he kind of hit the wall in the Big 12 as well because he didn't go through it completely the year before. But I think he's starting to get his legs back under him, and he was really good in the non-conference. So I th- him playing well takes the Mountaineers to a whole different level, in my opinion. What is a realistic path to victory for Maryland against West Virginia? Like, if the Terrapins win this game, the win most likely will be because of what? I think I think uh, Willard's gone more to that two-two-one pressure. I think that can bother the Mountaineers. We the games that the Mountaineers have lost and struggled. They've turned the ball over twenty plus times, kind of just gotten in their own way. Um, I think the two-two-one can bother them. I also think they they've been a good rebounding team, and and it just comes down to you got to make Eric Stevenson earn every single every single shot. He's gonna he's gonna make shots just because he's a high volume shooter. I mean, he's had multiple games where he's attempted. 20 plus shots. You just got to make everything hard for Eric and make him not efficient. Are you surprised by the season that Maryland has had in its first season with Kevin Willard as head coach? A little bit, but I also have a lot of respect for Kevin Willard. I thought he did a great job at Seton Hall. I know that he kind of like Turgeon didn't have a lot of success in the NCAA tournament. He's, I think he's one in five and then the opener is one in five, one in four, but I think he just did a good job of being really consistent at Seton Hall in his tenure there. And I, he's kind of just brought the same thing to Maryland. But I, I think he's going to take this program to a whole different level in years two and three with the transfer portal. We're talking NCAA tournament with Ryan McIntyre, co-host of the College Basketball Experience podcast. Uh, Virginia, a very familiar theme, uh, good defensively, inconsistent offensively. Do you trust the Cavaliers against Furman on Thursday afternoon? I, I, I don't see how you can trust Virginia, especially with their track record. I know they won the national championship in uh, 2019, but we saw the UMBC game. Then the next year against Ohio uh, in the COVID year, they, dro- they dropped that 4-13 game. They, I think they got a tough draw with Furman, too. I mean, Furman's kind of a uh, veteran group. Richie Riley's done a good job there. Or, sorry, Bob Richie. Um, it's done a really good job there. They got two really good seniors in uh, Jalen Slauson and Mike Bothwell. And Furman had just been knocking on the door year after year in the SoCon to win that league. And they they lost that chaotic game to Chattanooga on the half court shot the year before, but then finally got over the hump. So I think they're going to come in loose playing with house money that they finally got to the big dance for the first time in 40 years. I think this is going to be a really hard game for Virginia. And Virginia doesn't blow anybody out because they can't score. 
that has been a criticism of Virginia with Tony Bennett as head coach. But of course, uh, UVA under Bennett did win the national title in 2019. What's your take on Bennett as a head coach? I really like Tony Bennett. I think obviously he's a great guy. Everybody, I don't, I don't think anybody's got a negative thing to say about him. But the way that he's made Virginia into a national uh, power, I think during the Duke and North Carolina era as well. I mean, everybody loves Duke and North Carolina, but Virginia's got more ACC regular season titles than Duke and Carolina in the last decade. He just, they got an identity. They defend. I know it's some people it's really boring, but that's just what Virginia is under Tony Bennett. And it's been really successful. It's funny. It was five years ago today, March 16th, 2018, that Virginia became the first one seed in NCAA tournament history to lose to a 16 seed. And the Cavs uh, were not just any one seed. They were the number one overall seed. And the loss uh, wasn't some nail biter. It was a 74-54 blowout loss to 16 seeded UMBC in Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll see if 16 seeded Howard has some uh, UMBC-like magic against one-seeded Kansas on Thursday afternoon. But how susceptible is Kansas? Not so much against Howard, but uh, to an early exit in this NCAA tournament. So I, I'm a Big 12 guy, obviously, being West Virginia, and everybody always seems to count out Kansas. They're like, this is around January. This is the worst team Bill Self has ever had. And then what does he do? Right around Super Bowl Sunday, he just wins like seven in a row, and they win the Big 12. He's won he's won more Big 12 title games and lost games at the Fog. So I think I, this is a different Kansas team because they don't have that traditional big inside. Self has just done a great job of adapting, playing small ball, spreading guys out. I think that they could get picked off. But like I'm, a, I'm not betting against Kansas it, it, with Bill Self. I think, in my opinion, he is the best all-around college basketball coach of the game right now. VCU, uh, another year, another NCAA tournament. The head coaches change, but the results remain the same. As does the style: excellent defensively, up and down offensively. Not unlike Virginia, uh, VCU as a 12 seed gets five seeded St. Mary's on Friday afternoon. Uh, will this be another instance of a 12 beating a five in an NCAA tournament? So I actually just relocated to the Richmond area and I caught a couple of VCU games. And I think ever since they lost that game to Jacksonville, uh, they've really taken off. They got Ace Baldwin back. That was the big thing. They got healthy. I think they got a really good draw because St. Mary's is kind of like a Virginia of the West Coast where they want to play really slow. And I think VCU's uh, style of play, their pressure could really bother St. Mary's. St. Mary's really got bothered by Gonzaga in that WCC final when they got drilled by 30. And then they, um, in the semifinal, BYU threw a press out that they hadn't all year and almost came back from 24. I think they got a really good draw. I wouldn't be surprised if VCU got to the second weekend, to be honest. And and you mentioned it, like VCU and Virginia, they just do such a good job year in and year out sticking to their identity. You know what you're getting with VCU and you know what you're getting with UVA. When it comes to what Georgetown should be getting at head coach, uh, who should the Hoyas be targeting? What should they be thinking in their head coaching search off the firing of Patrick Ewing, off the Hoyas over these last two seasons going an incomprehensible 2-39 and 39 in Big East games? It's honestly heartbreaking because I've always said this, like when Maryland basketball is good, college basketball is better. When Georgetown basketball is good, college basketball is better. And I, I, everybody wanted Pat Ewing. He's the greatest player ever in that program's history. He, he took Georgetown to a whole nother level, but he just, it, ne- it never worked out. I, I, I know Ed Cooley's the hot name right now. 
Um, I don't know if he'll leave uh, Providence. Rick Pitino, I, me personally, that would be my number one pick because I think Rick Pitino could turn that with the transfer portal and the NIL into a national power. But maybe Georgetown doesn't want to go that route just with the history of Pitino. I think a name that nobody's talking about is Mike Boyden at Oklahoma State. I think he's kind of gotten the raw deal of the NCAA multiple times, whether it's the selection committee or the uh, one-year ban, even though everybody else got off except for him. But uh, I think Mike Boyden from the New York area, I think he could really take that Georgetown job and do a good job there just with his New York ties and uh, being on the East Coast again. Makes sense. Uh, you, during our conversation, have referenced uh, two of the biggest changes in college basketball in recent years, the uh, skyrocketing in usage of the NCAA transfer portal and these NIL deals, name, image, and likeness deals. I had Maryland's greatest head coach ever, uh, Gary Williams, on Tuesday's show, episode 527. Uh, he is not a fan of these phenomenons uh, that are the NCAA transfer portal and NIL deals. Uh, what say you, transfer portal and NIL deals, good or bad? for college basketball. I'd be lying to you if I said I like the transfer portal and the NIL. That was one of the main factors of why I got out. I it just I didn't like the direction it was going in. I think it's never good because NIL the purpose of it was everybody to get paid off their name, image, likeness. It's not doing that because when you people are transferring, it's like, hey, I'll give you this amount of money to come to this school. That's not NIL. That's just basically cheating legalized cheating is what it's done so i'm not the biggest fan but it's not going anywhere so even a guy like hugs hugs i mean he'll he'll say the right things on record but he's not the biggest fan of the nil and transfer portal era he's he comes from the gary williams uh era where the the dinosaurs as i like to call it in the old school guys that just want to get out there and coach your guys so i you got to adapt though or, or you'll perish unfortunately a good thing about these changes to me is that if you are in a really bad way, like Georgetown, uh, you now can get good again quicker than ever before. The transfer portal, the NIL deals, uh, those things make turnarounds easier. Yeah, no doubt. And I think uh, Kevin Willard's done that with all the transfers um, um, in year number one in Maryland and, and hugs. So last year we were bad, but we hit the transfer portal and we, we, we hit home runs, but I think you see it more and more. Like I think you're going to see less consistency with programs because you could just get a bad, you could get talent to transfers, but if they don't mesh, it's not going to work. Cause everybody, your fourth, fifth year guys, everybody's thinking, what, why are you going there? You're going there to showcase your, your skills so that you can get paid, whether it's overseas or in the NBA, if you're lucky enough. So everybody's got an agenda, but, it, but it, I don't think people realize winning and getting on the national stage playing in the NCAA tournament is what provides those opportunities. Yeah, good point. Ryan McIntyre, co-host of the College Basketball Experience podcast and co-host of the Ryan and Rush Show, which is a podcast about West Virginia sports. Uh, Ryan, great insight. All the best to you. Thanks, Al. Go Skins. <laughs> I love it. I uh, hope that you loved my conversation with Ryan McIntyre. Uh, if you have like 20 seconds, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review doesn't have to be long, can be just a sentence or two, uh, but the ratings and the reviews help out the podcast a lot. So thank you for doing them. Well, the Capitals on Wednesday night had a big game, and they won that game despite not holding a lead in that game until the very end. 
Uh, the Caps improved to 33-29-7 and with a 5-4 shootout win over the Buffalo Sabres at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. So the Caps now have 73 points and are tied with the Florida Panthers for third in the Eastern Conference's wildcard standings. Five points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins and New York Islanders, who are tied atop those wildcard standings at 78 points apiece. The Caps now are one point ahead of the Sabres. Uh, this was a big-time comeback win for the Caps. They overcame a 3-1 third-period deficit and a 4-2 third-period deficit. This was a game in which a number of Caps got banged up, including defenseman Nick Jensen, who did not return to the game. Defenseman Rasmus Sandin and winger Tom Wilson also got banged up, but they did return to the game. Uh, winger Sonny Milano missed a second consecutive game due to illness. Uh, also, the Caps remained without defenseman John Carlson and wingers Connor Brown and Carl Haglin due to injury, but the Caps got back the great eight. Winger Alex Ovechkin returned from a one-game absence caused by a lower body injury, and he was good. He had a third-period even-strength goal, a first-period secondary assist, five shots on goal, and eight total shot attempts. He did commit a third-period slashing minor, but this was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night on Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, I mean, it was in question this morning, and um, if Alex, if there's a chance that he can play, he's going to play, and uh, we needed him out there. I thought that um, under the circumstances, again, of him and what he dealt with yesterday, last night, and this morning getting ready and to, to, to jump into that game, I thought he, I thought he gave us what he had. Yes, he did. Uh, the Caps on Wednesday night went 2-3 on the power play. Winger TJ Oshie, boy, does he remain on fire. Oshie on Wednesday night had a first-period power play goal and a third-period secondary assist. Oshie now, over his last 14 games, has 16 points, 8 goals, and 8 assists. Also, Oshie scored the Caps' second goal of the shootout. And Tom Wilson, uh, he had a game-tying power play goal, 18-52 into the third period and had a game-high tying five hits. Uh, center of Genny Kuznetsov had a third-period even-strength goal and the Caps' first goal in the shootout. And center Dylan Strom, two assists, and he went 11-3 and on face-offs. The Caps on Wednesday night were great on face-offs, 40-25, and and Strom finished number two on the Caps. And five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 66.67. The Caps with Strom on the ice and five-on-five situations in the game had 20 shot attempts versus allowing 10 shot attempts. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was a cap starting goaltender on Wednesday night. He was the cap starting goaltender in a game for the first time in nine games. Yeah, it had been a while. Uh, Lindgren made his first start since February 23rd. Uh, he stopped just 23 of the 27 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps did win the puck possession battle. They, per natural stat trick, had 58 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Sabres' 49, and the Caps had 39 shots on goal to the Sabres' 27. Uh, the Caps went 2-2 two two on the penalty kill. Look, the Caps still very much have an uphill climb to make the Stanley Cup playoffs just 13 regular season games left to make up a five-point deficit in the wildcard standings, but this was a gut-check win on Wednesday night. Really good job by the Caps to come back as they did. More from Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference. I don't think we're. I don't think we like where we're at in the standings. You know, we wish we were in a different place, but we're not. And the reality is, you look at the standings, and we are where we are. We're exactly, you know, where we where 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 we are from a performance standpoint and so uh, what's what's good about 
I think the guys and the players in a game like tonight were knowing that Buffalo's right around us and some of the things that we were dealing with in the last 24 hours. They were they were a resilient group. I mean, they fought to the end for the two points, and we finally got them. And that's that's what it's about right now. Every game we play, it's about the two points and collecting them. And uh, we're able to do that tonight. All right, next up for the Caps, uh, two games this weekend, home to the St. Louis Blues, Friday night at 7, and then at the Minnesota Wild, Sunday afternoon at 2. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 530. We'll provide you with more on the commanders. Also, I on Friday show will discuss whatever goes down on Thursday afternoon in the first round of the NCAA tournament for Maryland, Virginia, and Howard. Eight-seeded Maryland versus nine-seeded West Virginia at Legacy Arena at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, Alabama, Thursday afternoon at 12.15. Four-seeded Virginia versus 13-seeded Berman at Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, Thursday afternoon at 12.40. And 16-seeded Howard versus one-seeded Kansas at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Iowa, Thursday afternoon at 2. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. This is Coach Norv Turner. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.